0: helps when you turn the mic on. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of, help me out. Esther. Esther chapter three this morning. We are in our third week of our series called All In, where we're going through the book of Esther, one of the most fascinating, exciting stories in the Bible, one of my favorite stories. And so uh, hopefully you'll follow along. Hope you take some notes as well on the back of your newsletter. Um, I'll be reading from the New Living Translation if you want to follow the translation uh, right along with me. And uh, let me kind of bring you up to speed what we've talked about so far in this series. If you haven't been here, in chapter one, when we jumped into this story. We saw a royal mess where a king had uh, way too much to drink. He got emotional. He made a really foolish decision. He banished his queen Vashti, his wife, off the scene. Then in chapter two last week, we saw as God began to stack the deck uh, behind the scenes, he was working. Uh, We saw um, Esther become the queen. She was chosen, one of the most unlikely of choices. And then we saw her cousin, her adoptive father, Mordecai, who thwarted an assassination plan against the king. And so that kind of brings you up to speed. If you've missed any of this, you can watch it online on our website. But I want to tell you today, as we go into chapter 3, today is, uh, I want to warn you, it's a little tough. It's a little difficult uh, to read, to talk about, but it's very timely with some of the things that are going on in our country, and our world today. So you're going to have to bear with me today. I don't have any eunuch jokes today. I don't have any naked Ken dolls today you don't know what you're, I'm talking about, go watch it online and you can get caught up. But today in chapter three, we're going to meet the villain of our story and we're calling this the Joker's Wild. And as you think about famous villains, I don't know who you think about, but these are three uh, pretty famous villains. When I think of villains, Darth Vader, the Joker. And when I was a kid, I mean, th- she was a villain to me, the Wicked Witch of the West. When I would have nightmares, the witch that would show up in my dreams was this lady. And then maybe one of the most uh, evil villains of all would be this next guy, right? Here, okay, we agree to that, you know. Sorry, Raiders fans, it's football season. We've got to have a little fun with that. But look, we're going to meet our villain today. And I know sometimes young parents, when they have kids, they want to choose Bible names for their children. Uh, we did that. We named our son Caleb from the Bible story of Joshua and Caleb. But there are certain Bible names that you want to avoid if you're choosing a baby name. Okay, let me help you out. You might want to avoid Lucifer. Okay? You might want to avoid Judas. Um, if you have if you got a little girl and you're wanting to name her a girl name, you might want to avoid Jezebel. Alright? And then you also may want to avoid this name, Haman. And he is the villain we're going to be introduced to today. And you're going to see just how evil and wicked this guy is. He's kind of an Old Testament Hitler. And to this day, when the Jewish people once a year read this story with their family, every time the name Haman is read from the scriptures, the kids boo and they hiss and they stomp their feet. And so today what I'm going to ask you to do, not every time, just the first time. Okay, so the first time that I read the, the name Haman from the scriptures, we, I said, read from the scriptures. You guys are just like the first service. You're not listening they like my kids. When I read it from the scripture, you get to boo and hiss. The rest of the time, you don't have to do that because I'll think you're like doing that with my message and I'll get really discouraged. So I hope you'll take some notes today as we are introduced to this villain, and we're going to see the progression of his evil plan starting in Esther chapter 3, uh, beginning in verse 1. And the first thing we're going to see... Is his authority. If you're taking notes, his authority. How does he come into power? And it says in Esther chapter 3, verse 1, sometime later. Now, when we read sometime later, remember from chapter 1 to chapter 2, uh, five years have gone, four years have gone by. Now, from chapter 2 to chapter 3, when it says sometime later, uh, another five years has gone by. So I mean, things are moving quickly. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted. So he's going to promote someone. He's going to give someone a promotion. Maybe it'll be Mordecai. I mean, the guy that five years before saved his life, thwarted this assassination plan on the king. Maybe that's who he's going to promote. We saw last week that he saved the king's life and Mordecai didn't get any kind of award or reward, no medal, um, nothing. And you're like, well, maybe the king didn't have time to get him something. Five years? I mean, he could have gone to the mall and picked up something. He could have ordered it on Amazon. You know, thank you for letting me breathe. But what we're learning about King Xerxes is he's really King Xerxes, and he's so self consumed, he's not others concerned. And so he's going to promote someone, but it's not Mordecai. Sometime later, King Xerxes promoted Haman. There you go. There you go. Isn't that fun to just kind of do that? Okay. He promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire. I mean, you know this guy is wicked and evil and a villain when you've got a name like Haman, you know, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. I mean, he just sounds evil, doesn't he? And if you're looking for a new Christian cuss word, just use son of Hamadatha. You know, stump your toe, son of Hamadatha. It just sounds like that. And so this is this is the evil Haman. And it tells us he's an Agagite. An Agagite means he's a descendant of Agag. And if you go back in Scripture, what you'll find is Agag was once the king of the Amalekites. That's very important in this story. Because the Amalekites were enemies of the Israelites, God's people. And God wanted the Amalekites removed from the face of the earth because they were always trying to annihilate the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And God knew that if we don't remove them, they're going to constantly be a problem with with my people. In Exodus chapter 17, you can go back and check it out. But when the nation of Israel was delivered from the hand of Pharaoh, the Egyptians, their exodus, uh, they, they just got delivered, they left there, and the first group of people to try to kill them and destroy them were the Amalekites. When Saul became the first king of Israel, God told Saul, you need to get rid of all the Amalekites, every single one of them. Did Saul obey? No, not fully. He got rid of some of them, but he allowed the king to remain alive with some of the other people. And so because of that, Haman, is a descendant of the Amalekites. The truth is, if Saul had fully obeyed God, Haman would never even be alive, which reminds us when we compromise God's word, it might come back to bite us. And that's what's happening in this story. And here's what you need to know about Haman the Agagite. He is an evil, wicked, hateful person. And now he's been given a position of authority. And remember, Mordecai the Jew was promoted as a palace official last week. So now Haman, this evil, wicked person who hates the Jews, is Mordecai's boss. You think your boss is bad? Just watch how evil and wicked Haman is in this story as he gets this position of authority given to him that begins this progression of his evil plan. You know, Abraham Lincoln said this, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you really want to test a man's character, give him power. And we're going to see the true char- character of this man, Haman. So he's, because of his authority, he's poised to do evil. And then that leads to the second thing, if you're taking notes, his audacity. So what is he going to do with this position of authority? Well, he has the audacity to do something. Verse 2 says, all the king's officials would what, church? They would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded. But Mordecai refused to what, church? Refused to bow down or show him respect. Okay, work with me, y'all. Some of y'all are sleeping on me, all right? He refused to bow down. So you got all these people coming by Haman and they're bowing down to worship him and show him respect. You know, Haman has the audacity to ask for this and want this, but Mordecai, whenever he goes by Haman, he just stands there. I'm not bowing down. Nope, not bowing down. Probably gives him the stink eye. (laughs) You know, I'm not gonna bow down to you. Well, why, why wouldn't he bow down? What's, what's going on here? What's the problem? Verse 3. Then the palace officials at the king's gate asked Mordecai, why are you disobeying the king's command? I mean, not only are you disobeying Haman, but you're disobeying the king. And they spoke to him how often, church? Help me out. He spoke to him day after day, but he still refused to comply with the order. So it's not like he just didn't bow down one day. Or a couple times. I mean, he, day after day after day, everybody's bowing down to Haman and worshiping him, but Mordecai refuses to do this. It's kind of like if you had a brother or sister that was, would always poke you, and they would just flick you, and they just kept doing it. Maybe you were the poker. Maybe you were the one doing the flicking, but it became very irritating to Haman day after day after day. So they spoke to Haman about this to see if he would tolerate Mordecai's conduct. Since Mordecai, watch this, new information, Mordecai had told them he was a Jew. Remember last week, up until this point in the story in chapter 1 and 2, Mordecai and Esther kept it a secret that they were Jewish. Mordecai told Esther, Don't tell anybody of our nationality. Everybody thought they were just Persians. But now, all of a sudden, when he won't bow down and they ask him why, he says, I'm Jewish. He, he plays that card because Mordecai knew the history of the Amalekites and the Israelites. They were the Amalekites. The, these Agagites were the arch enemies of God's people. This would be like the Batman and Joker, a Spider Man and Green Goblin, Superman and Lex Luthor, a Bronco fan and a Patriot fan. All right? I mean, he's like, I am not bowing down to Haman. He's my arch enemy. And so, what is Haman going to do about this? How's he going to respond? Well, we see his audacity. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. He was ticked. He was angry. He was about to lose his mind. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality. So now he knows he's Jewish. So he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. He has the audacity to do this. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy, say it church, all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. He has the audacity to... To not just want to punish Mordecai who wouldn't bow down, but all of the Jews. Thousands of innocent people that are living in the Persian Empire. And as we look back over history, the names have changed, but the script is the same and it comes from the same source, Satan himself. Wanting to get rid of the Jewish race, the Jewish people. That's why he's a, he's a type of uh, Hitler in, in this story. And so Haman's hatred for Mordecai is like a cancerous tumor that begins to grow to the point that he is so mad, he is so upset, he is so vindictive and angry, he has the audacity to want to get rid of all of the Jews. And that's why we've got to watch bitterness. When we allow bitterness to take hold in our life, it can lead us to do some really unthinkable things things in our life that's why it's important we don't uh, hold a grudge against our spouse against our kids against our parents our friends our our boss our pastor (laughs) against anybody because bitterness will lead us to do things that are unimaginable and that's what's happening that Haman has the audacity not only want to punish Mordecai he wants to annihilate all the Jewish people the writer of Hebrews chapter 12 verse 14 said this about bitterness work at living in peace with help me church with everyone. Yeah, but you don't know my boss. You you don't know my neighbor. You don't know my arch enemy. No, the Bible says, as a Christ follower, work at living at peace with everyone. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. And that's exactly what's happening in this story with Haman. He has allowed a root of bitterness to poison and take place that now it's going to corrupt many. And so we see the progression of Haman's evil plan this villain the joker in our story starting with his authority and then leading to his audacity but then if you're taking notes this leads to his ability I mean how will he carry out this evil plan can he make this happen well first of all what does he do he selects the day he selects the day. Look at verse 7. So in the month of April, during the 12th year of King Xerxes' reign, lots were cast in Haman's presence. The lots were called Purim to determine the best day and month to take action. These lots, they're called Purim or Pur. They're, they're like kind of like dice today. And the day selected was March 7th, nearly a year later. You know, in the Persian Empire, they, they were very spiritual people, but they weren't following the Holy Spirit. They were following demonic and false spirits uh, they were into astrology and horoscopes and all these kinds of things and so they would roll these dice they would cast these lots and Haman was basically wanting to make sure that his false gods were on his side in agreement to of his evil plan to destroy the Jewish people and so the lot was rolled it was cast in April but it fell in the month of March nearly a year later We've seen throughout this story, even though God's name is never mentioned one time in this book, God's fingerprints of providence and sovereignty are all over this story because it's a year later, it gives God an opportunity to do his work. Proverbs 16, says it this way, the lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from who church? It's from the Lord, from the Lord. And so it lands on March 7th. Now that date may not mean much to you, but it would have meant everything to the Jewish people. Because that year, March 7th, was the eve of Passover. The most holy date and event on the Jewish calendar to this day. Where they would remember and celebrate the Passover that God delivered them. And now you've got an evil, wicked man named Haman that on that date the Eva Passover over, wants to annihilate them. Will God deliver them again? What's God going to do? And, your know, scholars have recognized for, for a long time, and the theologians, and I agree with it, that Haman is a, a picture and a type of the Antichrist that's going to show up during the tribulation. Another evil man who's handed the script from Satan to want to destroy all the Jewish people, to commit genocide. But you know what we read in the Bible is God always protects his people. Amen? God always protects his people. So how's this going to work itself out? So first we see Haman selecting the day. And then he seeks permission because he can't do this on his own. He's got to ask for permission. Who is he going to ask permission to do this? The king. King Xerxes. I mean Xerxes. Okay? He's going to ask King Xerxes. He seeks permission. Look at verse 8. Then Haman approached King Xerxes and said, there's a certain race of people scattered through all the provinces of your empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Notice he doesn't even tell him what race it is. He said, there's a certain race. I mean, this is racism on display right here in chapter three of Esther. Their laws, he says, are different from those of any other people and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. Yeah, their laws were different. They follow the laws of the scriptures. But, but, but Haman is lying to get what he wants to fulfill his evil plan because all the Jewish people were not disobeying the laws of the Persians. It was just Mordecai. But he's trying to get all of them in trouble. And so it, it is not in the king's interest to let them live. Listen, king, I'm just looking out for your best interest. I don't have anything personally involved in this. I'm just, you know, I don't want these people to be a problem for you. If it please the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I'll give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. In our terms today, this would be like, I'm going to give you $40 million to allow me to destroy all the Jewish people. Listen, I'm just trying to do you a favor, king. Let me get rid of the problem. This is a good business deal. We'll make a lot of money in the process. Do you see how evil this is? How wicked this is? The king agreed. No questions asked. No investigation. He just goes, okay. Sounds like a good business deal. Confirming his decision by removing his uh, signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. I like saying it that way. The enemy of the Jews. The king said, watch this, the money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. Go for it. You've got my permission. You've got my ring. Here's my visa card. Have at it. And the king, once again, true to his character, makes a hasty, emotional, irrational decision. And that's his character. He acts first and then he regrets it later. And believe me, he is going to regret this decision. He didn't do his homework. He didn't check the facts. Proverbs 18, 13 tells us this, spouting off before listening to the facts is both shameful and foolish. When we, you know, if you're in a position of leadership, and and all of us are in some kind of position of leadership, if you're a parent, you're in a position of leadership. Amen? Amen? If you're a teacher, you're a position of leadership. Maybe you're a leadership, you know, a, a, your workplace. If you're in any kind of position of leadership, make sure you do your homework before you make a decision. Make sure you get the facts. Make, make sure you consult God. Make sure you ask for wisdom. He didn't do any of that. And so Haman selects the day. He seeks permission. He gets permission. And then he spreads the word of this decision throughout the entire Persian empire. Verse 12 says, so on April 17th, the king's secretaries were summoned and a decree was written exactly as Haman dictated so Haman writes the bill but the king has to sign it into law it was sent to the king's highest officers the governors of the respective provinces and the nobles of each province in their own script and languages the decree was written in the name of King Xerxes and sealed with the king's signet ring dispatches were sent by swift messengers Okay, these are not Taylor's uh, groupies I'll give you a minute to get that one. (laughs) Dispatches were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire giving the order that how many Jews? All the Jews. And this this is very disturbing. All the Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This is horrible. This is deplorable. This is unthinkable. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. Can you imagine knowing that on this date, we're going to be annihilated? The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. This is how he would repay the king. A copy of this decree was to be issued as law in every province and proclaimed to all peoples so that they would be ready to do their duty on the appointed day. So this law was written. It was sealed by the king. This was the law of the Medes and the Persians. This was unchangeable and irrevocable. And for those of you who don't know the rest of this story, this law does not get changed. The fate of the Jews is sealed. And Haman has the audacity to spread the word through the entire empire. Their empire, the Persian empire at that time, was about the size of the United States. And let me remind you, they didn't have internet they didn't have twitter they didn't have facebook they didn't have email they had to take this on foot on horses to get this law into all the provinces in the entire persian empire that on march 7th almost a year later all the jewish people would be annihilated now let me remind you mordecai is a jew But not only is Mordecai a Jew, who else in this story that we met last week is a Jew? Esther, the queen. The king just doesn't know it yet. She's kept it a secret. I mean, this seems like an impossible situation. The king signs this into law. And humanly speaking, this is an impossible situation. But with God, all things are possible. And God can turn anything around. But how? This law is in place. And let me remind you of this. The Messiah has yet to come. He's going to show up about 500 years after this. And let me remind all of us that the Messiah, Jesus Christ, was not born a blonde-haired, blue-eyed baby. He's Jewish. And if you kill off all the Jews, where's the Messiah going to come from? How's this all going to work out? I mean, what is going on? And so we see the evil plan of this villain, Haman, because of his authority, his audacity, and his ability Go into law and into place. And then, how does he respond to this? If you're taking notes, then we see his apathy, his attitude toward this, his apathy. Verse 15 says, At the king's command, the decree went out by swift messengers, and it was also proclaimed in the fortress of Susa, the city there. Then the king and Haman sat down to drink. But the city of Susa fell into confusion. So they set this in law that thousands and thousands, maybe millions of innocent people are going to die on March 7th. And what does the king and Haman do? I'll drink to that. We'll just have a drink. You see how apathetic they are. Contrast that to Haman's response, Haman's response to those in Susa. It says they were confused. I mean, these were people in their community in the Persian Empire, I mean, these were their neighbors. These were their co-workers. These were their friends. And they hear about this law, and they're like, we don't understand this. We don't get this. What is going on? What is this all about? Why are the Jewish people all of a sudden our enemies? Is there any escaping this? Is there any changing this? This is a hopeless situation. And then what about Queen Esther? I mean, we have a real problem here. Can we agree? Say yes. So what's going to happen? How is this going to play out? This law is not going to be changed. Well, you got to come back next week (laughs) to find out. I told you there's a cliffhanger every single week. And it may have something to do with Esther making a decision to go all in or not. And we'll see that next week. But as we wrap this up this week, how do we apply this today? And I had a whole different direction I was going to go to apply this. And then... God really began to work in my heart and, and some things that are going on in our country and our world today. And I, I mean, how interesting is it that we made a decision as a leadership team several months ago, we planned months ahead, you know, what we're going to teach on and the studies and the things that we're going to do here. We, we picked Esther. And then we started three weeks ago in the book of Esther. And then of all weeks, we land in chapter three of Esther this week. And how interesting the providence and sovereignty of God with some of the things that are going on in our country. We couldn't be in a more timely chapter of the Bible because here we are 2,500 years later and racism, hatred, bigotry, and prejudice are happening all around us in places like Charlottesville. And here we are in chapter 3 of Esther and it's all about racism. Racism. It's all about genocide, a guy wanting to kill off a race of people that he doesn't like. And I thought, man, we need to address this. We need to take a moment. We need to talk about this. You know, Edmund Burke was an Irish statesman in the 1700s, and he said this, The only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men to do nothing. And and I want to give you today on record, we're videotaping this, this will be on our our website. I already addressed this on on Facebook a little bit this week. I want to go on record that you know clearly the official position of the leadership of Orchard Church in regards to some of the things going on in our country, that the KKK, the alt-right, the white supremacist, Nazi movement is from the pit of hell, it's evil, and it's wrong. And I want you guys to know that. There is nothing right about the alt-right. And this is not a political statement. This is a biblical statement. There is no room for those types of things in biblical Christianity. And all forms of prejudice and racism and bigotry is an affront to the gospel of Jesus Christ and everything he died for. The gospel is about redemption. The gospel is about reconciliation. The gospel is about love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And the only race that matters to God is the human race. And that's the only one that should matter to us. The only kind that matters to God is mankind. Can we agree, church? And this needs to be said. It needs to be said in light of some of the things that are happening in our country. And unfortunately, that will probably continue to happen Let me remind you that John 3.16, probably the most quoted, well-known, memorized verse in the Bible, that's that's all you need to know. John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus' last command, we want to be our first concern here at Orchard Church, his last command was go and make disciples of how many nations. All nations. All nations, all races, all colors, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit." Let me remind you about what Paul said in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26. He said to this, if you're a Christ follower, if Jesus is your king, he said, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, for you are, help me church, All one in Christ Jesus. As believers, we're not first brown, black, white, yellow, red. We are first and foremost born again, blood-washed, children of the living God. That's who we are. That's who we are. And our heavenly Father shows no favoritism. And neither should we. Neither should we. Our mission here at Orchard Church couldn't be simpler or clearer. It's to help people find and follow Jesus. Amen? Amen. And that means all people. All people. One of the things I love the most about Orchard Church that God has done over the last almost 12 years now is you look around this church and man, we have all sizes, thank God, all shapes, all ages. I mean, we, we, have, we have everything from birth to 80s, 90s. We got a, a gentleman that, he's sitting, as a matter of fact, just, I just saw him. He's, he's sitting in our service right now. I think he's like 98. How old is he? 98 years old. Can we give it up for that? 98. I mean, we have birth to night. can anybody top 98. 98 he's here most Sundays he came to our night of worship man he was into it it was awesome when, when friends of mine come to Orchard Church for the first time they're blown away they're like wow I thought it would just be all young people we got all ages and, and, and this is one of the things I love the most we've got all colors we've got it all and I love that about this church this is a little slice of heaven on earth because this is what heaven's going to be like if you don't like the diversity of Orchard Church, you're not going to like heaven. I heard a pastor this week addressing this very subject that said it this way. You think about it. Heaven is a white supremacist hell. Isn't that true? They're going to get up there and be like, dang, there's a lot of different colors up here. I wasn't quite expecting that. but nations are here. You know, John gives us a glimpse of heaven in Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, and here's what he says. Looking at heaven in the future, he saw, I mean, I love this verse. He saw us in eternity in the future, and he said, After this I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. That's what heaven is going to be. And I just, I felt like it needed to be said. It needed to be said. Because the only thing for evil to prevail is for good men and women to do nothing. And it's time we do something. And it makes me sick that some of these groups of people are attaching the name of Christ to it. Saying, well, this is how all Christians think. Not this Christian. Not these Christians. Amen? But as we wrap this up, let me take this a step further this morning. Before we condemn Haman for his apathy thor- toward the Jewish people and the death sentence that he had, son- had been put into law, before we condemn him for his apathy for that death sentence, let me remind all of us that there are billions of people in this world today that because of sin have a death sentence on their life for all eternity. Those that don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior like many of us do. Let me, let me narrow it down to a five mile radius of Prairie View High School and our new building we'll be moving into in a couple of months. For those of you who don't know this, let me remind you that there are 50,000 people that claim no church affiliation whatsoever within a five mile radius of where we're sitting this morning. And many of those people don't know Jesus. They've never said yes to Jesus and We, as Christ followers, understand that when someone has not put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, they don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior because of sin, they have a death sentence on their life. Can we agree, church? They have a death sentence for all eternity, and it's time that we who know Jesus do something about it, that we speak up, that we stand up, that we share the love of Jesus with them. You're going to hear me say this over and over and over as we prepare to move into our permanent facility next door. The only reason for a facility is to better facilitate ministry, to fulfill our mission, to help people find and follow Jesus and to whom much is given, much is required. And we have a responsibility to help people find and follow Jesus, to help the death sentence of eternity be removed by faith in Christ. So before we condemn Haman for his apathy toward the death sentence, let's not be apathetic toward those all around us our neighbors, our coworkers, our friends, our family members that don't know Jesus. Last Sunday, I was standing out at the the tent greeting people after service, and I had this gentleman come up to me, and he said, hey, Pastor Doug, I just want to let you know, it's my one-year anniversary this Sunday. I said, oh, well, happy anniversary. I said, anniversary what? He said, one year of being at Orchard Church. And he kind of started to kind of get a little bit emotional. I could tell it meant a lot to him. And I said, man, that's that's awesome. Well, happy anniversary. And I said, I'd love to hear your story. He said, well, I grew up in a very religious church and religious environment. But basically what he was saying is I had religion, but I didn't have a relationship with Jesus. And he said the last year being introduced to Christ here at Orchard Church and finding him has radically changed my life. And I tell you that because somebody invited him. Somebody told him about our church. Somebody invited him to come. Somebody served him. Somebody gave so he could could be here. And there's hundreds and thousands of those kinds of stories that we get to be a part of reversing someone's eternal destination as we help people find and follow Jesus. And so as we move into this next season of Orchard Church, let's not be apathetic toward those people that have a death sentence on their life, that don't know Jesus Let's take invite cards and invite them to come to church. Let's put stickers on our car. You wouldn't believe how many people come to Orchard. And I say, how did you hear about Orchard? Well, I saw these trees on everybody's car. Can you at least do that? And just to help you out, we've been putting stickers on all your cars during service right now today to help you guys. I mean, something as simple as social media. I mean, this week, you know, I, I did a Facebook Live, and, and it got over 4,000 views talking about racism and some of these things. And, and much of that was because there were over 100 of you that shared that. If you're not on our Facebook page, get on our Facebook page. Share it when we post things. Uh, we hear people now coming to Orchard Church saying, I, I saw it on social media. I saw it on Facebook. Something simple to share your faith. And listen, let me thank all of you that serve in any capacity here at Orchard Church. I'm looking around, seeing a lot of green serving church, shirts and blue shirts and things like that. It takes over 200 people serving every Sunday for us to, to do services here at Orchard Church. As we move into the new building, it's going to take double that. It's going to take 400 people serving. But every time you serve, and when we share the gospel in our service, and someone raises their hand, says, I accepted Christ today, you had a part in changing someone's eternal destination. Every time you give something, your tithes, your offerings, you have a part in helping people find and follow Jesus. Do you believe that, church? And now is not the time to get apathetic and kick back like we've arrived. It's the time to step up like never before. Because listen, I I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but the closer we get to the return of Jesus Christ, and we believe he is returning, the darker this world is probably going to get. And the hope of the world is Jesus. Jesus. There will not be peace on earth until the Prince of Peace returns to this earth. But until then, we have a mission. And my prayer for our church is that we would be just as passionate or more passionate about spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ as Haman was passionate of spreading the bad news of his death sentence. Because we know the answer. We know the truth. And so I I wanna close this service a, a little different today. If you're a guest, we're so glad you're here today. We're gonna do something um, we do not normally do, but I really feel like it would be appropriate. You know, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 is so relevant to what's going on in our country, and our world today. It says, then if, help me church, then if my people, not, not, not those people, my people, the Christ followers, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray And seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven. I'll forgive their sins. And I will restore their land. Do you believe that, Orchard Church? And there may not be a more appropriate time than right now to put that verse into practice in our lives, in our church, and churches all around the world that name the name of Christ. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to put your stuff down for a minute. I'm going to ask you guys to stand. Stand together. And I'm gonna ask you to just grab the hand of that person next to you, the closest person. Let's just join hands in a sign of unity for this community, for this country. I know this is freaking some of y'all out. You don't like to hold hands. We have uh, sanitizer, hand sanitizer on your way out. I shake all your hands every week. Live to tell about it. Lather up, okay? listen let's let's do this today as a sign of unity let's pray for our community let's pray for our country let's pray for our leaders whoever they are as god's people who have the answer and the answer is jesus heavenly father we just come humbly to you today as we look at some of the things that are happening in our country in our world the hatred the racism the prejudice the bigotry the murders. And we look to you. Our only hope, the only answer. We recognize that there will not ultimately be peace until the Prince of Peace returns, but until then, may we spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ one person at a time, one couple at a time, one family at a time one loved one at a time. And that as you would work in your love and your grace and mercy, that you would change us and those around us. That we would love people. That we'd forgive people. That we'd show mercy. Lord, we, we believe that the darker the hour, the greater and brighter the light of the gospel can shine. May we help people find and follow you in this community, in this country around the world. Forgive us where we have had hatred and bitterness and even glimpses of racism at times. Forgive us. And may we live as representatives of you with your heart at this time and that you would heal our land, our country, our world. Be with our leaders, Lord. That they would take a stand give them wisdom to make the right decisions at the right time we seek you we call upon you and we believe that you hear our prayers and may we live them out as we continue an attitude of prayer right now I'm just going to ask you just to be quietly seated you just go ahead and sit down quietly as we just continue an attitude of prayer and as you just continue in prayer let me just ask this because our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. And maybe there's someone here today, you've never said yes to Jesus. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says until someone says yes to Jesus, that there's a death sentence on their life. But that death sentence can be removed in a moment. By inviting Jesus into your life as Lord and Savior. And if God is speaking to you in that way today, if it's time for you to say yes to Jesus, we are not offering religion, we offer a relationship with Jesus. I wanna, I'm going to pray a prayer out loud right now. And would you be willing to pray this prayer from your heart to God's to invite him into your life? It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you will put your faith behind it, you can say yes to Jesus today. And it goes like this: Jesus, I'm calling on you today. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Remove the death sentence. I'm asking for eternal life. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and forgiving me. Thank you, thank you. So we continue in an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. Nobody looking around. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith, it's the most important decision you could ever make. And I'd love the privilege and honor just to pray for you right now. So without hesitation, can I pray for you that you would grow in your relationship with Jesus? Would you just slip up your hand all across this auditorium if you prayed that prayer? God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am, right here. God bless you over here. God bless you up there. God bless you, sir, over here. God bless you, sir, over here. God bless you, ma'am, back here. Amen. Amen. Many hands. Let me pray for you, Father. I just pray for all those today that have said yes to you. I pray that they would grow in their walk and relationship with you from this day forward. That they would fall in love with you in the way that you have loved them. And Lord, we thank you for your goodness and for your love. And may we carry that into the world around us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, "Amen,
1: Amen." Can we celebrate decisions for Christ this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Pastor Doug. Whew, man, what a timely message. That was awesome. Um, Well, hey, you guys, um, if you said yes to Jesus today, uh, we want to know about it. Uh, We just ask that you take this connection card out of your newsletter. Please uh, fill out the contact information on the back side. uh, There's a spot where you can actually check, accept Jesus as my personal personal Savior. Please do that. Uh, Put it in the offering bucket as it passes by. That way, we can be able to send you um, a, a free gift in the mail. Um, If this is your first time here at Orchard Church, man, we are so excited that you are here. Um, Hopefully, you've already filled out that connection card. Please put it in the offering bucket as it passes by. Um, Today, we're not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we are interested in you. So please fill it out, put it in the offering bucket, and that way, we can send you a thank you gift in the mail. Um, Remember, um, also, the announcement from earlier in our rundown, small group signups begin today. So please, we encourage you, get involved. Uh, Church, we are better together. Amen. And so please get involved, uh, sign up for that small group, uh, just put it on your connection card, and then we'll go ahead and send you an email with a link to orchardgroups.com to sign up today. Um, Also, um, Pastor Doug's going to be just outside in the courtyard by the blue tent. If you want to stop by and say hi, especially if you're new, uh, please make sure you stop by, shake his hand, introduce yourself. He would love that. Um, Well, you guys, next week, I mean, we saw this week in the book of Esther, how is this going to unfold? Uh, The king signed a decree, now it's law. What is going to happen to the Jews and what is going to happen to Esther? Is she going to go all in? Make sure you come back next week. Invite your friends. We are going to go ahead and find out. So at right, this time, let's go ahead and everybody stand as we uh, now end in a song of worship. And we worship also through our tithes and our offering because we want to be a church that acts our wage by giving first, saving second, and then living on the rest. Thank you guys for coming today. We love you. Have a great day.